the Sixer fans, everybody. <laughs> boy, oh boy. You almost pulled a fast one over everybody. Welcome to another edition of Philly Full Court Press. I'm your host, Big T. Will. I got my man, producer extraordinaire, Mr. Nat Marlowe. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, since 2017, it's the same story. Your Philadelphia 76ers lose in seven games to our hated rival, Boston Celtics. And people said it was different this year. And if you tell me that you didn't say it was different than yet, I'm going to call you a liar. Straight up. I listen to radio shows. I've listened to Sirius XM shows. Shout out to my other producer, Mike, working at Sirius XM, covering all the sports and putting his time in here. Me and Nat talk back and forth. And he texts me and I text him. Radio hosts, producers, TV analysts, local analysts, local people. Everybody said this was different. And I believe in the last podcast, Nat, that we were together when we started the series, because we don't like to interrupt the series. I said, prove to me that this is different. Go up to Boston and y'all better come back at least with a split. And y'all did. Show me is different by getting out of the second round. I didn't see anything different. But I did see a lot of things that opened my eyes to this team and this organization. And it's a lot of things that I didn't believe that could happen. But they did. I saw a lot of people on the social media and on the radio getting giddy over a four-game sweep over the Brooklyn Nets. I tried to temper them expectations. I didn't get too high off of game one. I put a text out to some friends and said, show me something different. Come back with a split. They better not lose. People was busting my balls, telling me, oh, they won two in, in Boston, T. Will. Six is gonna win in six. All right, show me. Show me, mother fathers. Show me that y'all built to win a game six on your home court that y'all had up 83 to 81 and lost. All the guys momentum and your 7-2 big ass could not hit the ball. I sent a message to somebody. Four minutes and 39 seconds. Everyone has heard that message because I sent it to them. And I listed the possessions. And I was couldn't believe it. 7 a.m. I listed the possessions, send it to them. It hit the airwaves. It hit social media. You touched the ball one time in four minutes and 39 seconds in game six to close out the NBA playoffs round two. You have Boston on the brink of firing Joe Missoula, who still should get fired because he looks like ass right now. Boston had all their demons coming out of the closet, just unraveling. And you let them off the hook. Now, I've seen all the tweets. I've seen all the complaints. And we're going to break them down. But I'm going to tell you my complaint. It's not with Harden. It's not with Doc. It's with our MVP, Joel Embiid. Now, I always say it's hard to criticize Embiid because what he gives us night in, night out. And he had a phenomenal game five. And he played well. And he played injured. And I'm not taking that from him. But when the the lights got bright, and the pressure started mounting, his pipes bursted. He shied away from the limelight. And that's the part that shocked me. 
It shocked me that he has no killer instinct. It shocked me that he didn't call for the ball down low and go to the foul line and end that series. It shocked me that when he did get the ball, he was pump faking Al Horford. It shocked me that when he got the ball coming across to the nail, to the spot that he worked on all year, he had Charmin hands and got stripped by Derek White, Marcus Smart, and Malcolm Brogdon. All in your sweet spot. You came across the lane and got stripped while Al Horford was guarding you. That's my blame. You got to own it, brother. You got to own it. There's a lot of fans that are saying, trade and be, trade and be. And we're going to get into that. But you got to own it, man. The city defends you. But then for you to put up a performance like that and then get shellacked game seven, I mean, you all scored 10 points in the third quarter. And you got outscored by Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey. That is absurd. You came out in the third quarter, Tobias Harris hit a three to tie the game. What happened? I said it, man, plenty of times. Y'all not gonna ruin my summer. I wanted to see, I wanted to see something different, and I didn't. Now, obviously, heads were gonna roll, and we knew that. But yet, this is another year with another change around a big man. He hasn't had any consistency. I feel bad for him because he's always hurt games 83 to 92. Always hurt. But that's on him. That's how he played. He plays, you know, you don't play smart. Play. You don't have to. When you're in, when your name's Joel Embiid and you're the baddest man in the NBA or supposed to be, you don't have to try to turn your game up another notch. People got to turn their game up for you. You just go out and play your game. And like you're trying to do too much and you get hurt. So we, where do we go from now, Sixer fans? Some of y'all jumping off the bridge. <laughs> Some of y'all letting the train go by. Some of y'all picking new teams. I feel like I need to pick a new team. At least I, if I'm a Washington Wizard fan, at least I already know what I'm getting. I can finally say the process ain't work. The only thing the process did was get us higher seeds. Because with the Andre Iguodala teams and Elton Brand teams, when he played, those teams were seventh and eighth seed, and they were getting to the second round of losing. Now, fast forward, we're top three in the in the NBA, top four team in the NBA, but we're still getting to the second round losing. So the process didn't work. Being the seventh and AC didn't work. We got to figure out what the hell's going to work. Let me bring in my producer extraordinaire, Nat Marlowe. What's up, Nat? T-Will, good day. Good day, sir. What is up? Uh, <laughs> Yo, go ahead, Nat. The floor is yours. I I know it. I listen. I held you. I held you back on purpose, just so you could gather yourself. But what's up, my man? I don't even know where to begin. Give me a, give me a good place to start. As I, there is a lot on my mind. We discussed before the show today with the amount of analysis I've been doing. We could go uninterrupted for. Two hours straight. 
Easy. Easy. So so Nat, let's just start with start let's start with the basics, okay? Mm-hmm. Start, you know, I'll 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 home you in. Let's start with game six going up and then having Jason Tatum outscore you the last two minutes and seventeen seconds of the game. So with with Jason Tatum, um, inspired by the YouTuber Rusty Buckets, who's been following Jason Tatum since the start of his career, he posted a video saying Jason Tatum is a fake superstar. And then I see the thumbnail and I see the title of the video, and I post it on my Twitter saying, "Oh, he's gonna have a game tonight, isn't he?" And then for most of Game Six, he was ice cold, just flat out terrible. What, he had three, four points, and they all came off of free throws, like one off a technical, and then the other one he got fouled on. And I followed this other, uh, I think he's another YouTuber, but he's definitely an NBA Twitter account called Legend of Winning. And he was tracking every single one of Jason Tatum's shots. And every time he would make a shot, he would go 0 for 1, 0 for 2. There was a point he was like... Uh, 0 for 11 or 1 for 11. This was one of the worst games of Jason Tatum's career until he hits that first three. He hits that first three, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, shit, Sixers are about to lose this game, aren't they? Because you could just feel the tie turn. And I wasn't in the building during that game, but I think everyone in the building could feel the tide turn. Because the Sixers overall, they were not playing smart basketball game six. They certainly did not play basketball game seven. But game six was the game where I got mad at. I I, I trashed my room. There's still broken glass. I'm still but, fine but on my why, floor here. Because okay, I, so so let me let me home this in a little bit. Okay. Why, why did you get that mad when you and I both talked on on Philly Full Court Press? And, you know, through text messages, take it game by game. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Something had to strike your nerve. So coming off of game five, you you started drinking the Kool-Aid. If that's what, if that's what you want to call it, then fine. But, okay, okay. But here's, here's why I got mad. I, I didn't – I'm thinking of how to phrase this. They were right there. They were right there. They got over the bad start. And everyone's like, oh, they were up by two to close out. They could have closed out that game. Like, they, they, they were only up by two. I was well mad before that. I was flipping shit at, uh, I think I was flipping shit before halftime. And the reason why. Well, they I outscored, was, they out, they had a, they outscored Boston in the third quarter, 30 to 21 in game six. They the Sixers had momentum. They, had, yeah. they started off. They started off rocky, and when they caught momentum, it was a perfect Sixers game. Like you're watching the game unfold, and you're like, "Oh, this is a Sixer. This is a Sixer type game where they pull away in the fourth quarter." And it was set up for that, and they had the momentum. And you're right. I I didn't. You're right about that. I didn't flip till the end, but I was stomping, and I was like, I probably put a hole in my floor. I probably should get my basement floor checked out. Before walking up, before walking out of my room anywhere, because there was definitely a lot of stomping going around. And the thing that kills me, and this goes for any sport, whether it's football, hockey, baseball, basketball, probably the most in basketball, because it's such a it's such a fluid game that's based on runs where you can really capitalize in, on an opponent that doesn't have momentum on their side. Boston did not have momentum on their side. Both teams were playing really stupid basketball. And I hate it when teams that I root for, they can't capitalize on missed opportunities, particularly the Sixers, when they can't capitalize or when they couldn't capitalize on missed opportunities by Boston. Every time Boston would have a missed three or every time the Sixers would steal it, it just felt like the Sixers would give it right back over or there was really poor shot selection Boston would get the rebound and they would score off that. Or they Boston would make another mistake and the fails failed to capitalize on either getting a rebound off that or capitalizing on when they got the ball back again, giving the ball back to Boston. That's what pissed me off. The fact that they were both sides were just playing such stupid basketball and the Sixers couldn't capitalize on it. 
And they could have. They certainly could have. They had the momentum. They had the momentum. They stopped. As uh, Doc said, they stopped trusting their their uh, their sets. They stopped trusting their offense. They stopped trusting each other. Yeah. They did a lot of standing around. They did a lot of passing back and forth. And then the shot clock got way too low. I can't tell you how many times it was like under five seconds. And it's like, you guys want to run a play? It's like they just forget memory lapse. They forgot how to play basketball as a unit. So and we're going to dive into that. Yo, coming up on the other side, man, we're going to talk about some of this crazy talk about trading and beat, some of the, the trade scenarios already. Uh, Tobias Harris's uh, expiring contract, and it's not expired because he still has a year left. And we're going to talk about just where do we go from here? Process has failed. The other way has failed. Now what? That is so much more in this edition of Philly Full Court Press. Grab your drinks, mother fathers. Be back after these quick commercial breaks. Yo, what's up, fellas? This is Anthony Gargano. Now, listen, why wait for a vacation when you can have a vacation anytime in your own backyard? I got to tell you about my guy, Stephen from Lisk Landscaping Innovations. Stephen Lisk and his team specialize in stormwater management to help you achieve a dry outdoor living space. Now, Steve offers exquisite outdoor living from pavilions and kitchens and fireplaces and so much more. To Steve, your backyard is more than a space. It's a living, baby. You want to be living large and you can be. So if you want that dream backyard, You've always envisioned, call Stephen Lisk, 856-931-5475. That's 856-931-5475. You can reach out on Instagram, at Stephen Lisk, or LiskLandscape.com, and set up your consultation. Sign up now for Sixers Camps, presented by Roth. Are you ready? Learn the fundamentals of basketball from Philadelphia 76ers players, staff, and coaches. Good shot. From the ages of 5 to 17, Sixers Camp programs meet the needs of all skill levels. Sign up now at SixersCamps.com or call 610-668-7676. One, two, three, Hey, Vito's. Hey, yo. One, two, say It's Kate Scott. What's going on? You're listening to my guy, Big T Will, on Philly Full Four Press. All right, guys. Look, look, I tell you guys all the time. Let me tell you about List Landscaping Innovations. My guy, Stephen List. I mean, if you got any water issues in your basements or foundation cracks, you got any still water sitting in the yard, any saturation. My man, Stephen Lisk, and his crew will take care of you. He specializes in giving you a dry outdoor experience. Now, I hate having water sitting on the patio and still water sitting around. Stephen Lisk, he put a French drain around my pool. That water runs away. It was the best thing I did. So I've used him. I know about him. He stands by what he does. So if you have any stormwater collection, downspouts, some pumps, you need uh, new PVC piping, you need sod installation to keep the lawn green, landscaping installation, outdoor lighting, hardscaping, landscape designs, concrete pavers, retaining walls, grills, gazebos, tents, barbecues. Got to hit my guy, Steve Lisko. I'm telling you, you would not. Be disappointed. Everyone will come over and you want to show off the backyard. And they will say, 
you know, oh my God, who, who did all this work? And you're going to tell them, list landscaping innovation. Process is easy. Set up a phone or on-site consultation. Draw up a plan. Steve will take care of the township and engineer coordination and let him uh, fulfill the project and execute. And then you will have a place where your backyard turns into just a place to look at to the place to be at. So if you're looking for that outdoor VIP living, check my guy out, Stephen Lisk, 856-931-5475. Welcome back, everybody. Big T. Will and Nat Marlowe here. So, you know, we got a lot to dive into. Um, I want to take it from the top right here. First things first, we're going to talk about James Harden, okay? James Harden, now, in this playoffs, yeah, he had his ups, he had his downs. He was fucking <laughs> trash. Excuse my language. I know Nat's going to bleep that out, but there's no other way for me to put it. He was trash in Game 7. I mean, that performance was 13 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, 6 turnovers, 43. I mean, it was just awful. It was awful watching that. But James Harden gave me two games, and he scored over 40 points and carried us to victory. And I say us as a Sixer fan. You get you tell me going to this playoff run, James Harden's going to give you two games of 40 points. I'm telling you, we win in the series. And it didn't happen. Embiid took the brace off. Now you telling me, you telling me, and the 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 whole uh fan base, and you taking that brace off, you're healthy. You're ready to go. And you had a phenomenal game five. And you had a good game six. You know, stat-wise, 26 and 10. But you disappeared, dude. You faded. You faded. And I'm not even going to get into Tobias Harris' two points. That's just awful. So there's failures all over the board in game six. So James Harden wins you two games out of this series. James Harden and the Ben Simmons trade was a success. Because Ben Simmons is sitting at home. He didn't even play. I don't even think he played 10 games. So James Harden doesn't know me. I'm talking about me, y'all. Okay, me. He don't owe me anything. I don't know about y'all. But he don't owe me anything. He came in, he listened to what Doc wanted, he led the league in excess, he got guys in the right spot, he gave me two victories, he dropped 40-plus, two victories. That should have been enough to beat the Boston Celtics. Clearly it wasn't. So we won't point fingers, but I'm not pointing too many at, at Harden. Next up on the docket... <laughs> is Tobias Harris. Uh, look, I got to call a spade a spade. Overall, Tobias Harris had a, a good playoff run. He just came up bad in the most crucial situation, scoring two points, six rebounds, three assists, and 42 minutes in game six. You get paid $39 million, bro. You, you got to get me. <laughs> you got to be consistent. I never really was – my eyes were opened up on Tobias Harris the year before last. And it just sucks because when the Sixers traded for Tobias Harris, he was a 20-point 20, 20 score, and he was shooting over 40% from beyond the arc. I don't know what the hell happened. But he got paid, and he didn't play up to his, his contract, so he's got to go. Now, I don't – I keep it real with y'all because a lot of people just throw stuff out because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They hear other people saying it, and then they say it, and then everyone sounds dumb. Tobias Harris is still under contract. 
this upcoming season is his final year on that ridiculous contract that Elton Brand gave him over Jimmy Butler four years ago. And I'm going to touch that. I'm going to touch on that situation too later on. Tobias Harris did not play up to his contract at all. And we know that as some fans, some smart fans. He was a solid player at times. And he gave you good defensive play. But he didn't live up to that that contract that he played. So when people say his contract's expiring, he still has one more year. So the ideal situation is to move his one-year deal of $39 million, which is a max slot, and hopefully a team will take on his money and you get some players back. It has to be close to a max slot because you have to have two max players on the team. Harden is a max, Embiid's a max, Tobias Harris a max. Harding opts out of his contract and goes back to Houston. You do not need to match his max contract with another max contract. So you're going to have someone keep posting about the Sixers are over the cap. The Sixers are over the cap. They don't have no money to move around. James Harden opts out and and returns to Houston for a four-year deal or whatever, or does not come back to Philadelphia. You have plenty of money to make things work. And you don't have to fill his slot with another max contract because you have Tobias Harris still here on one-year deal and you have Joel Embiid here on a one-year deal. If you move Tobias Harris and James Harden opts out, you have to fill a max slot. And dare I say, the two names that are eligible for a max contract on the free agent pool are two guys that Philadelphia loves. (laughs) Russell Westbrook and Kyrie, the earth is flat, Irving. You're going to have to take a stab at them. Or you're going to overpay for somebody else. Those two guys are max contract guys. Call me crazy. I want to taste that poison with Kyrie, though. Kyrie's a killer. Call me crazy. Kyrie's a stone killer, boy. He keeps the ball in the yo-yo. He can put buckets in he can score. He plays defense. When Kyrie's locked in, he's he's the best guard in the league. He's up there with Curry. You can't tell me anything different. Yeah, he's a head case. I get it. Before and listen, I'm answering y'all social media tweets at me when you listen to this. I'm answering it now. I get it. He's on it. I get he's a head case. I get he's poison. I get he has no. No concern about his teeth. I get all that. Everything you say, I understand. I get it. But what else has worked? Let me taste that poison with Kyrie and Embiid. Let me see how that worked. Now, I throw that out there to you. What's your initial reaction? Hell no. (laughs) That's my reaction. And not to both. To both Westbrook and uh, and Kyrie, I I was taking a look at uh, I'm not I, I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this, but I was taking a look at the overall upcoming free agents for this NBA offseason, and it's not great. I'm not happy. So no, it's not great at all. The list is thin. So, but there's options. There's options, and there's players on this list that could work. But go ahead, go ahead, continue. The the options they're they're not great. I would much rather uh, have them pulling players through trades as opposed to free agencies because these are the big outside of Westbrook, Harden, and Irving. 
and Irvin. These are, you know, these are the free agents coming up, and it's not there. It's okay, it's good, but it's not great, and it's not going to be enough unless the Sixers make a couple of additional big moves in order to get over that that second round hump. So mm-hmm. the players that are going to be entering free agency are Chris Middleton, Kristaps Porzingis, mm-hmm. D'Angelo yep. Russell. I know the list. I know it, brother. Let keep me, keep well, naming. Name a couple more for the people listening. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, Kevin Love, Draymond Green. I don't know if I said D'Angelo Russell, but he's coming in. Fred Van Vliet, yeah, yeah, Harrison like Barnes, Jeremy Grant. I like Barnes. I like which Grant. I think based off the current situation, there, there's plenty of other free agents out there. And actually, By the way, quite a few of those free agents I would like to have. But I think what the Sixers absolutely need right now, you need, given all things considering, I know we're going to talk about Joel later, but you need to find and acquire a player that is better than Embiid. And that is a tall, tall task. You're not going to get it. Exactly. You're not going to get it through free agency. But there is a way you can get it through a trade. But uh, I'll let you go on with your next point. The only way you're going to get it through a trade and – I just had this conversation before we started recording. The only way you're going to, the only way you're going to convince me into trading Joel Embiid is with OKC. I want Shane Gildas Alexander. I want Josh Giddy, and I want Lou Dort, and I want two first round picks, maybe even three first round picks. OKC is the only only team in the NBA that has that much capital in first round picks. From now to like 2032. Other issue is a lot of these free agents are under the agency of Rich Paul. And we already been dealing with, we already dealt with Rich Paul with Ben Simmons. We had to deal with the BS with Rich Paul with Tyrese Maxey. Rich Paul has a lot of these free agency guys on this list. Now, these names that you yelled out, yeah, they're, it's not great. But can I tell you, it could work. It could work. We'll get into that. So, I don't know, did, but did I explain it enough to you for you to understand that on how this situation could work? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Because if I didn't, let me know. And then I'll... I'll re-explain it again. Well, I think there are a lot of scenarios where you can make this work, and not just the ones you mentioned. Uh, if you want, I can bring in some other situations now, or if you want, we can uh, move on to our next analysis point. No, I mean, I got a second. Go ahead. So, I think with the upcoming free agent class, and with um, all things considering, like, the James Harden situation, if he opts out, because, like, there's still going to be in cap trouble so you're not gonna be able to get another uh like max deal player in here but what the Sixers can take advantage of are MLE players so possible targets that they could acquire some of the top some of the top MLE targets that I've noticed that the Sixers could acquire here here's the list and there's a number of players that I think you can make this work with uh I know you're going to say hell no to the first one right off the bat, but Dylan Brooks, which everyone yeah, out there no. is probably saying hell no. no uh, I'd rather I'd rather take my chances with Poison Kyrie than Dylan Brooks. <laughs> what about John Morant? That can uh, of worms. <laughs> I, actually, you know what? I had <laughs> get out of my head. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind John Morant. I wouldn't mind get him out of Memphis, out of that that dirty South. Get him in a different environment. I don't know the gun laws. <laughs> And filthy too well, but John Morant keeps seats in the in the keeps butts in the seats, and he keeps you you know he keeps you at the top of the East. Um, it's all about what Memphis wants to do, what his suspension is. It's and it's basically up to John Morant. John Morant is probably one of the dumbest twenty three year olds I've ever come across. Um, you know to do the same thing not once but twice. I mean, bro, you guys, you got to switch your, you got to switch your mentality up. You got to like, basically just cut that shit out, man. Like your homies ain't your homies, especially how a homeboy going to look at you to see if you holding up, 
holding up the nine, and then you he gonna flash it up on you real quick and then put it back down like it was like a oops. Man, come on, man. Like, I don't know who's in your circle. I don't care who's in your circle, but you're getting bad information and you're getting led down the wrong path. And it's all this is destruction. I mean, you about the dumbest boy I've ever seen. You about 45 asses, to be honest with you. Um, but you got time to make it right, man. You got time to make it right. You know, I get it. You, I listen. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. I'm just going to put it like that. I get it. I understand. I get it. I speak the same language. I get it. But you're, you're in it and you're in the NBA. You're in a corporation. Um, that doesn't allow things like that for their employees to, to be around and to be and be socializing with because of the pedigree and the platforms that you're on. You know, you got people in inner cities that look up to you and say, I want to be John Moran. But if John Moran is doing that stupid ish and it's the same ish that they seen around the corner, I don't think you're setting the same, you're not setting, you're not setting this, the, the, uh, the tables right for that person. So I, that being said, I still would take a, a flyer on them because, like I said, nothing else worked, so I'm open for everything. But go ahead. What's up? Just leave the guns at home. Yeah, man. Just just get better people around you. That's Don't take all. them out to the strip club. <laughs> nah, you can go to the strip club. Just, just, just put better people around you. Put better people around you. That's all. Ain't nothing wrong with the strip club, Nat. Get out of here. No, I'm saying don't take don't take the guns to the strip club. That's what I'm saying. Oh well, yeah, because yeah, he got that's that's how he got busted the first time. Yeah, he pulled, you're John Moranto. You don't need you don't need to be out there doing that. You know what I mean? Like you know what I'm saying, you ain't no you ain't no flim flop. Like you you job. Like you 23 man. Like come on man, cut it out. Who else you got on that list? All right, so other MLE targets the Sixers can acquire: Harrison Barnes, Malik yes. Beasley. Yes. Will Barton. Yes. Kelly Oubre. Mm-hmm. Eh, go ahead. Taylor Horton Tucker. No. Seth Curry again. Mm, maybe. Lonnie Walker the fourth. Maybe. Dante DiVincenzo. Yes. And the Sixers could have had him anyway. Could have had him. Um, yeah, so like I said, there's there's ways that this could work. Okay. So last and last, last and, and and least, you know, Joel and B. So we got the casuals that are screaming trade and B, they're done with MB. And we got the other side of saying, you know, MB is not that guy. He don't fit the city, he don't fit this, he don't fit that. I get it. We're all emotional and we're all upset. And he deserves credit. He deserves a lot of the criticism. And we can't take that from him. He has to own up to it. But you're not getting the. Uh, Nat and I just went over the names. We just went over who has capital. You're not going to get nothing for him. And in college basketball right now, the players coming out, they're not really that dude like they used to be. And you don't want to go through another dreadful. Uh, process to get number one picks again that was bad basketball i don't want to be the laughing stock of espn with the big tank where the sixer logo used to be just clowning us i i have so much hatred towards espn because of them clowning us with the 10 and 72 season and the 15 game season 15 win season i don't want to do that and there's ways to rebuild this and not having to do that. So you got it. You got it. Embiid has improved in his game every year since he's started playing. Since 2016, he's improved in his game every year. He's the league MVP. So this year he has to go out and prove on his game 
and develop a killer instinct. Develop some dog. If you got dog throughout the season to become the MVP, you can have some dog in you to carry your team through the NBA playoffs. Game 83 to 92, it seems like it is a monopoly. And we got to figure it out. Now, if Embiid's just that guy that don't have the dog, like Harding, then you got to bring someone in. I'm not even going to discuss Dane Willard because I'm so sick and tired of him like Bradley Beal. That's all they do is flip-flop, flip-flop, live throughout the media, live throughout the social media. And at the end of the day, I want to play one city, one team, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. Bleep you, Dane Willard. I don't care. (laughs) That's where I'm at with it. I don't care. Because when you're serious, then I'll start caring. But you're not serious. You're only doing this to keep your name out there, to be fresh. And no one wants to go to Portland. So stay out there with your mediocrity. Uh, James Harden's going to go back to Houston. James Harden doesn't owe me anything. All right. 21, 21 points, six rebounds, 10 assists, 44% from the field, 38% from three. Uh, he earned 33, uh, 33 mil. His career earnings, 272 mil. $339,833 career earnings. He's got money. He's got his wine, which is very good. He wants to be, be be somewhere where he can be himself, and he feels like Houston's that spot. Go to Houston. I'm going to take James Harden's money. I'm going to look at uh, uh, Fred Van Vliet because there's one thing the Sixers have not had here are guards. I'm going to look at Chris Middleton. To see where Chris Milton, how he feels with all those players in Milwaukee who have stepped up when he got injured. I think Chris Milton will look really nice next to MB. I'm also going to look at the Bulls. You know, what's going on with DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine? You know, you got Vukovic, who's uh, a uh, free agent. I don't think he'll come here and play behind MB, but. You know, look at other pieces on that team. They're loaded in, in the in the backcourt with guards. Kobe White, uh, Lonzo Ball, Pat Bev. You know, let's let's look at that situation. Draymond Green will be a, a perfect fit next to Joel Embiid. But Draymond Green is also a pain in the ass. And he's also had Rich Paul as his agent. And he also said he wants to end his career with the dudes he came in with. And that's with Steph and Clay. So Take that off the table. Jeremy Grant will look nice next to MB. He's a he's a shooter, power forward shooter. We had Jeremy Grant. But problem is, Jeremy Grant, listen, Jeremy Grant had 20 points a game, four rebounds, two assists. He shot 47% from the field and 40% from three. Jeremy, Jeremy Grant has uh carved out a great NBA game for himself. Rich Paul's his agent. Pain in the butt. All right. These are names, if Harden opts, does opt out, that you need to look at. Harrison Barnes, does it will he leave Sacramento? If he leaves Sacramento, definitely look at Harrison Barnes. Cam Johnson up in Brooklyn. He's a restricted free agent. So whatever you offer, Brooklyn's gonna can match it. Cam Johnson's smooth. And he's young. These are guys that are young, that are smooth, who will get up and down the court. Now, you want a little experience also? Get Jordan Clarkson. He's got a player option, though. We'll see. He was a sixth man of the year a couple years back. 20 points off the bench. 30, you know, he shot a little little below the clip behind the arc this year, but Utah was a mess this year. So these names that I'll name you, you're getting more athletic. You're getting younger. You're still staying young. And you got guys that can fill up the bucket. And you keep the big man intact. Gary Trent Jr. is another one. He's got a player option. I'd love this. If Nick Nurse comes to Philly, which he's getting a interview this week, and we'll close the show out when we talk about the coaches. But if Nick Nurse comes to Philly, that might get Gary Trent Jr. here. Gary Trent Jr. is a nice player. He's a nice player. Nothing wrong with him. Josh Hart, player option up in New York. 
Who knows? He might stay up there because, you know, his boy's there. You got the Villanova connection, and they look good. Bruce Brown, he's got a player option after Denver this season. These are guards that will look good in Philly with Embiid. So if you're going to keep Embiid, you got to get the right pieces around him. And the right pieces around him is get some guard help out here that are going to defend and put the ball in the hoop. We don't need one player to always put the ball in the hoop. If you got players on your team like Denver where all them guys can put the ball in the hoop, you're okay. You know, let's build this thing right. You could build it right around and be if Harden opts out because you don't have to max them out. You won't have to get another max contract because you still have Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid here. This is where it gets tricky. So you fill out a roster – Vincenzo as well. You fill out a roster. Oh, Hachimura. He's a restricted free agent. He's having a nice year with LA. You fill out a roster around Embiid and you fill out your bench pieces. Corkmaz going. Uh, Shake Milton going. Who's the other one that don't play that's on the bench? There's another one I can't think of now. Are you thinking of Montrez Harrell at this point? Now nah, he signed two years. Trez, and that, that is Doc's fault, man. Doc does get – he don't get all the blame. He don't get – this all don't come on, but he gets some of it. Like, <clears throat> you you the coach. You got to coach that in. Just because he was bad on the defense when he was in, Montrez gives you – Trez used to be a six-man-of-the-year award, too. He could put the ball in who Like, that's your fault. You know, Montrez, Harold, P.J. Tucker, they're both two-year contracts. Tyrese Maxey's still under contract. MB's under contract. Tobias Harris under contract. Um, well, Niang's going to be a free agent too, right? Oh, uh, that's the other one. Niang, get out of here. They're, them three. You get rid of them three, and you give me some of the names I just said, those three, with Embiid and, and, and Harris still here, I'm rocking with that. That's something that's going to keep me energized and keep me afloat till I move Tobias's contract during the season. You got to move his contract during the season. If if James Harden opts out, you can't move it before then because then you have to go after a max contract. And we already know the max contract guys, no one's in love with. Well, there there is a way. Drop it. Now I know I know you're already against it because I saw some of your tweets about it, but <laughs> um there is a possibility, but you gotta pay the price. The weight the way to get Dame time here. You can trade Harris for Dame time, but in order to get Damian Lillard, you also got to include in the Tobias Harris package Tyrese Maxey, a first-round pick, and at least three seconds. That doesn't work. Sixers don't even have that kind of capital. They don't have a first-round pick till 2028. That's why you got to trade the 2029 pick. No. Dame, no. Hell no. Well, you don't want to go through another process. I will go through another process if I do that. You're going to put me through another process with that. No, absolutely not. Nope. Not doing it. I will trade Tobias Harris and Dame Willard during the season, but I'm not doing it before the season because I have to get a max contract. And Tobias and Dame Willard's not serious. The dude's not serious, man. He he's worse. He's actually worse than uh, Bradley Beal. Both of them, man. They they both they come from the same cloth of wanting to be with the same team and doing it myself, but then want to complain that they need help. If Dame Willard was serious, he would stop playing both sides of the fence and and pick which way he wants to go. When Dame Willard's serious, then I'll be serious about taking him. But until then, bleep Dame. I don't care. Stay out in Portland. Portland don't have no shot of winning anything anyway. At least the Sixers had a shot. Give me having a shot, then not having a shot. All right, Nick, uh, Nat, I'm sorry. I almost called you Nick Nurse. <laughs> <laughs> I got Nick Nurse on my mind. So coaches that, um, that the Sixers are looking at, man, they got – Nick Nurse, Sam Cassell, um, Mike Busenholzer, Monty Williams, um, 
And dare I say, Mike D'Antoni. Oh, Lord. <laughs> if you want me to continue to be a 76er fan, you will not hire Mike D'Antoni. No, and I like Mike D'Antoni, but here's the problem with Mike D'Antoni. What killed, or, or at least a huge factor, and what I believe killed the Sixers this playoff run, was that they took way too many threes when they had no business taking that many threes. Like, they're not... They should have let Boston die by the three. And instead, they died by the three. That wasn't entirely what killed him, but it was a huge factor in that. I, I mean, how many three-pointers did they miss? I think they missed 29 three-pointers in Game 7. But if they were to take all of those missed chances based off of uh, like the missed three-pointers and not even... Uh, not even convert all of them to two-pointers. Just make them two-point opportunities with the same shooting percentage that they had in Game 7. They only would have lost by two points, and that's assuming they would have had the same shooting percentage. It probably would have increased, which meant they more than likely would have won. So you bring in Mike D'Antoni, it's just going to be Three after three Bombs after away. three, and you don't have the it's athleticism to do that right It's going to be Eddie Jordan all over again, and we don't want that. And plus, like, there's no way Joel Embiid is going to fit into a Mike D'Antoni scheme. There's no way it, it, it's going to well, work. Well, D'Antoni was out in Phoenix, man, and he, he, he wanted Shaq. So, I, listen, like I said, you want me to continue to be a 76er fan, and I'm hanging on by Fred anyway. <laughs> It's in my blood, so I'm allowed to say that. Don't hire Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, of who they're looking at, he's hands down the worst. Yes. All right, so, you know, let's look in the backyard. This guy, Sam Cassell's getting a lot of props, Nat. Everybody wants Sam Cassell. You know, give Sam Cassell a shot. I like what he did with Maxie. I like the work he's doing with Maxie. Um. Here's my thing with Sam Cassell, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to put a damper on anything. Wherever Doc Rivers has been, Sam Cassell has been. So you know what that means. Whatever collapse Doc Rivers had, Sam Cassell had. Clippers, Sixers, those collapses were real. Those numbers are real. Those Owen 16s and, you know, 20-game losing streaks after this and blowing 20, that's all Doc Rivers, but Sam Cassell has been a part of that. Yeah, and I was listening to Crossing Broadcast, and they were talking about just the optics of the whole situation of bringing Sam Cassell in. Yeah, all the Sixers seem to really like Sam Cassell, and I think a lot of the fan base really likes Sam Cassell, but I think there's at least another portion of the of the fan base, or even ones that really still enjoy Sam Cassell. Like, is it really a wise option promoting him to head coach of the Sixers? Who knows? It could work, but I think with the optics of the situation, and maybe we're looking too much into the optics, it is a bit of a risk you're taking, because, yeah, wherever Doc Rivers has been, Sam Cassell has been. And I think Sam Cassell could be a decent option, but it is a risk you got to take. Now, there are situations, at least I've seen in other sports, where you've had coaches like under other coaching trees that have been uh, that have been failures and also some that have been huge successes, like Mike Sullivan under the John Tortorella tree. Mike Sullivan has more cups than Tortorella at this point. But also, while he won two cups with the Penguins, he's he's also been there for the Penguins collapse as well. So now his head is on the chopping block. Right. So and take I a mean, look at I'm not, uh, Matt I'm Patricia against... from the Belichick coaching tree. Like, yeah, he, had, he, yeah, was, he was never he was terrible. And he was terrible in Detroit. So, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not against Sam Cassell. I like Sam Cassell. I started my, my uh, opening statement on Sam Cassell like that. I just, just being cautious because Someone said, you mean to tell me, as Sam Cassell being the bench coach with Doc Rivers, they all didn't get in Doc Rivers' ears to, to make an adjustment? And I said, well, the head coach has a final say, no matter what the other coaches say. And they said, well, I'll get them all out of here then. Doc Rivers' bench coaches are phenomenal. They're great coaches. They're all good coaches. 
I don't know if Nick Nurse would keep the staff. I don't know if he would bring in his own staff. But I'd like to see Cassell stay and continue to work with Maxie. Because I think he's done a hell of a job with Maxie. I think Doc Rivers did a hell of a job with Embiid. Doc gave Embiid, you know, a, a clear path to developing a, a a move that's unstoppable and, you know, developing his skills. And Doc did a fabulous job with Embiid. Got him to the MVP. So that Tyrese Maxey has flourished under Sam Cassell right now. So, yeah, I'm all for Sam being a shot, but I'm also hesitant. I'm cautious. Mike Boozenhoser. I don't know how to feel about that. No. I, no <laughs> okay, I, listen, I can move on. As soon as you said that, I can move on. Like I said, I don't know how to feel about it. Um, Budenholzer, I think, is a retread of Doc Rivers. I think you're going to have the same issues under Budenholzer that you had with Doc. That's a good comp. You 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 might be right. You might be right. Um, and who was the other name besides Nick Nurse? Oh, Monty Williams. Monty Williams. Uh, I don't know. I think we need something fresh. Monty was here under Brett Brown. And, you, you know, you, you do the interview, you do your due diligently, and you, you give them opportunity. But... You know, I, I was, I, I'm looking at Nick Nurse as my number one guy because Nick Nurse is, he's a guy that he, he plays, he played great defense against Embiid. Toronto always worked. Um, Nick Nurse is an offensive coach and he can adjust. And that's why I like Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse can adjust. I think Nick Nurse without a superstar in Toronto did a great job. But you could get also you can bring in players that could work around and be with with Van Vliet and Gary Trent. Um, that played under Nick Nurse. You know, those two pieces look nice with Embiid and uh Maxi on the court. So I'm just saying, Nick Nurse is a guy that that has a different he has a different uh feel for the game, kind of like Spolstra. Um, not saying he is Spolstra, calm down. Um but yeah, I would Nick Nurse is my guy. Him yeah. and him only. So. I think I think he'd be a great fit here. And I think you and I are of the same mindset. So would you rank the coaches in this order from uh best option to worst option? Nick Nurse being number one, Monty Williams two, Sam Cassell three, Boonholzer four, and D'Antoni five. D'Antoni five. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Or you could flip flop put Cassell uh two. Not Monty. You know, you can flip those two or either way. I'm good with that. But yes. Cassell yes. would be a huge risk, though. Th- that's the only You're reason right. why I don't want to put him at two because he doesn't but he have deserves the experience, a shot. But which, he deserves a shot. He deserves a shot. I Definitely more of a shot than Budenholzer and, um, and D'Antoni. But because of uh, because of Monty Williams' experience, I think that would translate well to Philly. At least a better shot of translating well to Philly than Sam Cassell. That's the only reason why... I put Monty Williams two instead of number three. And and I don't I would not I don't have a problem with it one way or another. So that's where I'm at with that. If Nick Nurse does get hired though, I mean I would look hard to keeping that staff we have here because our staff had a good report with the uh, players. Look, the Sixers had a great regular season. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. They finished third in the East. They won fifty-four games. And under Doc Rivers, they all won over fifty games. The last Couple game years under Brett Brown, they won over fifty games. They've been a markable NBA team. They've been there in the mix. Their demon is getting out of the second round. The NBA doesn't recede anymore. So Miami played it right. Remember when I told you that, Nat? <laughs> I said it wouldn't surprise me if Miami um, blew the game against Atlanta on purpose. That Atlanta play Boston so they could play Milwaukee because they had a better matchup. <laughs> Do you remember me saying that? You're a little, you're a little Nostradamus now, aren't you? Yeah, but but it just, it just had that feel, man. It had that feel when we were watching those playing games back when we were recording when the NBA playoffs started. It just had that feeling, and I said, man, this don't look right. Like Miami looks like they're just completely out of it, and then all of a sudden they they just took out the one seed. 
Yeah, Giannis got hurt, but I don't think it would have made a difference, to be honest with you, because Bam plays Giannis well. It's all about matchups and styles. Yeah, and Jimmy Butler, he's just a man on a mission right now. I, and, you know, I'm glad you said it because I was just about to sign off. But listen, Jimmy Butler was here. We didn't win with Butler. Jimmy Butler had an opportunity to close out Game 7 against the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard. He did not do it. All this crying and 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 and, and oh, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Jimmy Butler. Jimmy was here. You could go in our archive, and Matt and I did extensive podcasting about the Jimmy Butler situation. And Mike and I did as well. Jimmy Butler had issues with the Sixers organization and Brett Brown. Okay? The last few weeks of the NBA season going into the playoffs, Jimmy Butler was staying in his own hotel. He didn't even stay with the team. He didn't even fly with the team. He hated Brett Brown that much. The Sixers never even offered him a contract. They gave Harris the contract. And that's why when Butler came back, he said, y'all took Tobias Harris over me. Jimmy Butler's just popping trash. He knows that. Well, that and he wasn't the same player that he is now. So no. uh, let, let's let's not forget that a lot of fans supported Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler because they didn't want to deal with the attitude. They didn't mm. want to deal with the drama. Jimmy mm. Butler's Ooh, winning you, in you, hindsight, mm. but, you know, a lot of fans, they took Ooh, Tobias Harris aside. Don't call eyes are open, a spade a spade, Nat. Don't do it. You know, they don't like, they, you know, fans don't like to be reminded. Fans, fans <laughs> don't like to be objective. That's right. <laughs> and that you're you're right. Be careful, Nat. You will have them coming at you. That's um, no, no, no. This is gonna. This is what's gonna have them coming at me. This is another tweet that I put out. This was I forget what game it was. I put this out, but I was watching the Sixers and the Celtics play, and both of them just looked so disinterested in what was going on. And I tweeted, I don't care who wins at this point. I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it in front of me, but I said something along the lines of. At this point, I don't care who wins, the Sixers or the Celtics, because both just look so disinterested right now. I'm going to root for Miami no matter what, because at least they look like they want to win. Right. They look like right. they're playing every second, every possession. You know, they're, they're like I said before, Jimmy Butler is a man on a mission, and he's got that he's got that organization rolling. He's got everyone's on the same page. It looks like. Everyone has the same goal. Win. Yeah, and listen, I'm not mad at Buckets. Not mad at him at all. Jimmy Butler was a pain in the ass when he was here. But I would listen. They they chose Brett Brown and Ben Simmons. And that that comment where Jimmy Butler said, you know, I don't need to be controlled. Because they asked if you could control Jimmy Butler for two or three years. Well, you know, no one sees the future. No one saw Brett Brown getting fired the very next year. No one saw Ben Simmons having to collapse and forgetting having to play basketball. So, you know, we don't know the future. But all I know is Jimmy Butler was here, and he didn't get it done. If you ran it back, we don't know what would have happened. We don't know. I only can speak the facts, and the facts is Jimmy Butler was here, and my guy didn't get it done. And he had a collapse in game seven also against Toronto. And another thing, Embiid set the pick on Ben because Ben was guarding Kawhi when he got to the corner. Like so many, Embiid out of position. Jimmy Butler stood there and watched. He didn't crash down into the corner when Embiid was going. That and more objectivity here. Kawhi technically got that shot off late. But the reaction and the result was just so epic. You had to count it. Even if he got it off late, it was just too epic of a sports moment. Nah, I wouldn't have counted it if he got it off late. I think he got it off clean. But nevertheless, man, listen. Emotional fans, stop being so emotional. Embiid is here. We know he ain't got no heart. We established it, so now we got to put pieces around him. That, and we need to get a dog in here. Now, like I said, Dame Willer is a dog, but bleep Dame until he gets serious. I'll sip the I'll sip the Kyrie poison. I'd like to see Kyrie and Embiid see what that's look look like. 
You get me Nick Nurse in here, something new, something fresh. James Harden opts out. You build this thing right. You build it right. You get a backcourt with – you get plenty of shooters in the backcourt. You get some uh, stretch fours, Chris Middleton. Put Tobias back in his position. And you still got P.J. Tucker who did a damn good job here. You get a coach that's going to coach up, Montrez Harrell. And you still got D'Anthony Melton here. You get rid of Shake Milton, Cork Mons, and George Niang. You get some athletic ability out here, some guys that are going to wing and play some defense. It don't look that bad. It doesn't look that bad at all. You start saying blowing it up, trade MB, you lose Harden, you trade Tobias Harris. We're worse than the Washington Wizards. Keep that in mind. Keep your, keep your emotions in check. Yo, man, I appreciate all the support. Nat and I definitely appreciate you guys listening, checking in. Make sure you subscribe to Philly Full Court Press on any podcast network. I'm your host, Big T-Wall. That's my man, Nat Marlowe. We will be back with another episode. Peace. What's up, everyone? This is Mike O'Connell from Philly Full Court Press. You can find Full Court Press on any streaming podcast platforms. Follow Full Court Press on Twitter, at Full Court 76, and Instagram, at Full Court Press 76. If you have any questions for us or for the staff, email us at fullcourtpress76 at gmail.com. As always, we thank you so much for the support, and we truly appreciate it.